Oh yes, back to podcasting and it feels so good. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Romans Empire podcast. But first, let me introduce my co-pilot, Mr. Song Bagarzade. How's it going? Wow, that was probably your best intro yet. Oh yes, it feels so good. <laughs> it feels so good to be back podcasting, yeah, of course. Of course. Duh. I mean, I, after, uh, what was it, Wednesday's match or Tuesday's match, uh, did not feel like this would be a good pod, but uh, luckily actually, things turned around this yeah. this weekend on Sunday. I actually wanted to cancel the pod after watching the Roma <laughs> match. I was like, I just want to kind of quit podcasting forever. There's nothing to say. Because ever everyone. since we started podcasting, Chelsea hasn't been up to it. So, I mean, maybe we're the, just bad luck. Well, I mean, we did just win the title this last this past year. So in you know traditional Chelsea form. They suck the next Fall year. Fall off the next year. Yeah, yeah. so we should have known. We should have started next season. Or the season after that, after we sacked Conte. I mean, it's just, a, you know, not saying that we should, just saying that's the... Uh, Hearing those two words next to each other, <laughs> sack Conte, just... It makes my stomach hurt. I don't like it. Can we... Do you think it'll ever happen in the next, like, ten years that we have a manager for, like, more Longer. than three seasons? Four. I think I think if I think if it does happen, it's definitely not going to be Antonio Conte. I I and I'm not saying that because I hate him, but I think like you it'll hate be him? like no. Wow. All right, guys, you heard it here live. Zach hates Antonio Conte. Hey, you're gonna be a lawyer, right? Yeah, hopefully. So then you should learn how to quote things properly. <laughs> um. No. I, but going back to your question, like. I never really thought about it before, but I don't think Conte would be that manager. I think it'll be like the homecoming of like Frankie Lampard or John Terry or Didier Drogba. I could see any of those guys coming in and just like staying for a really long time, no matter the result, just because of who they are. Anyways, I think we should start with the sad stuff first. Yeah, I get that out of the way. So let's talk about this Roma match. Courtois and goal, Rudiger, Cahill, and Luis uh, are our three center backs. Um... We had uh, Bakioko and Sesk in the midfield, Aspi Alonso out wide, and Pedro Hazard and Murata making up the 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, let's talk about the first play of the match because... Yeah, I just started off the game on a on a really high note. Uh, Stephen El Shirawi did, at least. Um, first of all, before we talk about like the errors, what a goal. Before we talk about the goal, was Jekko's pass intentional or unintentional um no he just tried to get his head on the ball uh-huh. because i think it bounced off that his ball neck, was de- that ball was played behind him and he basically like did the matrix to kind of flick it into the path of el shrawi i think it was one of those situations where el shrawi wasn't being tracked at all and jeko knew if he got anything on the ball el shrawi would get to it i don't think jeko was trying to set him up for a volley though there's no way in hell yeah you think jeko was like oh there's he's for sure gonna rocket this in the top left corner no way he was just like i'm just gonna flick it back and 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 el shirari's gonna get the ball and then hopefully we could like you know reset our our offense or our attack i don't know i terrible defending how he got between rudiger and david Luiz on the first play is kind of inexplicable for me um alonzo doing a really bad job tracking back on that play as well there's just nothing else to say about that. I mean, yeah. great goal. Surprisingly poor performance by Rudiger against his old team. And I was he, really fired up for him before the game. Yeah. He, especially he, after the racism, you know, comments kind of came out of the closet, mm-hmm. you know. I 
disappointing. He yeah, he really messed up on that second goal as well. I mean, that was I think that was all on. Look, him. if you're a center back, your job is to deal with balls like that. If you don't hear the goalkeeper behind you screaming his you, head off for yeah, it, you, go you for gotta it. deal with it. Even if even if he hoofed it it thirty rows into the stands, I don't care. You gotta get rid of that thing. Yeah, he let it bounce right into the box without, you know, making any play for it. And it was really Yeah. Really just, I I c I can't understand it wasn't like what was happening. It wasn't like the ball like took a weird bobble and, and no. he couldn't control it. He just didn't even go for it. Like I remember when the goal went in, I just I caught myself in awe with my jaw wide open, just like what the fuck is going I, on? I had right to now? watch the replay a couple times to see like who <laughs> messed actually... up, what happened. I mean, because I I could I couldn't believe that that actually just went through. Um, I mean, we but besides that, obviously that first goal, which I you know will just I'll take that just because you know it's a worldie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We we had so many chances in the first twenty five minutes to score. Uh, Hazard, Pedro, and Murata all missed great chances to score. Um, you know, again, that's just another page in the Chelsea, you know, 2017 uh, yearbook, uh, just missing really, really clinical chances and, uh, you know, not putting those away. You know, this is something that really bothered me about the Twitter fiends. And I, I always talk about the Twitter fiends at every pod, but t- today I just, I have to mention it. People were coding Antonio Conte for picking a 3-4-3 in this game. And last week on the pod, you asked me, how would you go out? And I told you, I honestly don't know because on one hand, we stopped Roma's attack by pressuring their center halves and that prevented them from getting out and uh, and, and playing football out of the back. You mean in the first game? In the first game, uh-huh. excuse me. Yeah. And then at the same time, we talked about how strong Roma's midfield is and how we're going to need to negate that encounter it with three midfielders of our own so i didn't know if he was gonna go three four three or three five two he went three four three and you could tell right away what his game plan was and to be honest besides the defensive errors it was working we were getting chances pedro sprung loose and had a chance he should have scored hazard had a one-on-one with the goalkeeper and somehow let the defender track him back and and i don't know if he scuffed the shot or what it was but it should have been a goal as well Murata just didn't really seem up to the task. I feel like if he was firing on all, you know, on all four cylinders, he would have, he would have, you know, come out with at least one goal that game. He missed a absolute sitter. Oh yeah. And just skied it over. I don't, he was in a six yard box and somehow managed to put it six yards over the top post. So, but like for me, at least the tactics were right. It was more a matter of the players letting the manager down. I, I, I disagree with you. I, I still don't understand why Conte continues to play Fabregas in a midfield too. He just I don't think he can play that pivot role anymore. I mean he needs I mean, especially when it's just him and Bakayoko. Um it's it he you know, because obviously in like I mean N'Golo Conte is like two two like two players in one, the way he covers the pitch. Yeah. But, you know, when Bakayoko who is coming back from an injury, young still. I mean, Bit naive. This dispossessed the ball so many times that game. So many poor passes. It's just really hard for them two to be the two midfielders when we're going up against such a strong midfield like Roma. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I, 
we really need more help at the midfield. I mean, getting drink water is, is really good, but again, he's coming back from injury. He's not fully fit. Or at uh, least he wasn't for this match. No. I mean... And I think that's why Conte... His hand was kind of forced. I think... I genuinely think that he was counting on N'Golo Conte to come back. Because... Yeah. I, yeah, I think the so, match, too. I mean, we pretty much assumed that he was playing last week on the pod. Because all the reports coming out of the Chelsea camp were like, yeah, he, he, he's he's progressing well in his, in his recovery. You know, uh, Ramirez actually attended the match on Sunday. That would be really great if we can get him back from China. You loved Ramirez. Oh, yeah. He was such a... Yeah. I mean, having him and Bakayoko in the same, you know, right next to each other, two elite box-to-box midfielders, I would love that. I think that's exactly something elite, that huh? we would you need. You really love Ramirez. I think... I think <laughs> Okay, maybe elite wasn't... I mean, at box solid. Yeah, he he solid. he's he's he is solid. Ramirez, one thing about Ramirez that I that I do kind of like is he never really disappoints. He's just like a constant like seven out of ten. Yeah, I'll player. take that. And he always and he always puts in a good shift. Yeah, I'm I'm seriously. I'm, I'll, I'll I'll always love him for that goal against Barca oh, in yeah. the Champions League. Yeah, he'll he'll always have my heart for that. Let's talk about Eden Hazard in this game because. This is seems to be a recurring theme when it comes to Chelsea in general. Hazard turns it on whenever he wants to, and then magically disappears. He 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 honestly puts on one of the greatest disappearing acts I've ever seen anyone, be, like anyone have the capability. Oh, better than Houdini. No, Houdini was pretty great. Yeah, yeah, Houdini was good, but Hazard is probably up there as well. So. He actually created three chances in the first 30 minutes. He was a man on fire to start the game. Like, you could tell he was on a mission. Right. And that he was ready to de- ready to destroy this team. But after getting tripped up by Florenzia, it looked like he got, like, a little, like, stamp on the back of his heel. You want to hear something crazy, Zach? Hmm. He had six out of six successful dribbles before he was stamped on in the 20th minute. And then mm-hmm. went on to finish the match six of seven successful dribbles. He only attempted one more dribble. Right. See, that's the thing, though. He can't get kicked out of matches like this. And just just because of based off of physicality on the other team. But that's the thing. I mean, if you look at the nature of Florenzi's tackle on, on, on Hazard, and then you look at the Phil Jones tackle in the beginning of the second half of the Man U game, Hazard popped right up after the Phil Jones tackle and kept playing his ass off afterwards. Why couldn't he do the same thing after Florenzi nicked him? I don't know. And to be honest, the Phil Jones tackle looked worse than the worse than the Florenzi they, one. The Florenzi one was just like a normal footballing tackle. Like that shit happened. They called deleted. they called the foul on Phil Jones, right? Yeah. And they did not call it on Florenzi. No, no, no. They did. Do you think that has a factor into it? His mindset of. I'm not gonna cannot believe that they did not call that, and that just you know puts them into a funk. I, I don't know. I think that that is the only uh, common denominator. I mean, uncommon denominator between the two things. I mean, I hope that's not the case. I hope he doesn't think like, oh, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna get this call today. This ref isn't having it, so I'm just not even gonna try. That that doesn't really that re- doesn't really do it for me. And if that's the mindset he has, he's not gonna be considered world class. I mean, I hate to be harsh on him because. Yes, he is our most talented player, but it's very frustrating when you know you have a player with a supernatural ability that you really can't teach and that you can't coach. And that, to be honest, very few players in the world that you could even buy that from. 
it, it's just it's very irritating to see him only use it when he feels like it. Right. I want him to have that "fuck you, I'm gonna get mine" mentality, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just sometimes he doesn't have it. I think uh, overall during this game, our passing was piss poor. Uh, we <laughs> lost. Passing? We lost. We just dispossessed the ball so many times. And I mean, Bakioko. I I don't I, I don't want to point to him, but. He, he did, I think, have the most dispossessions on our team. Mm-hmm. I have to double check and look that up. But you know, he either takes too long on the ball, or he shows too much of it, and it costs us. You know, yeah. either that, or he makes a shit pass and turns it over. Um, I think that we just need. I mean, we saw this a lot more in Man United, but mm-hmm. like, we need better off-ball movement in the build-up play. Like when our players are dropping back, the center backs, they're you know. They're, everyone else, the midfielders, are pushed up too far. There's so, too much space, and and, and and there's the only person that like Gary Cahill can pass to is another center back, or he loses the ball. I mean, players need to come to him and create like you know. I, I remember last year, whenever um, a center back had the ball, we would kind of create like a diamond around him yeah. with you know people coming back, and Hazard would come back a lot. And, and this year, this plays just, sort of like a free safety type role where he, he just intercepts passes and plays the passing lanes. And I, I don't see that. I don't see that this year. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's just people. I see them standing around, just getting, allowing themselves to get marked. Yeah. And you know, uh, there's, I've just, there's so many times this season where the center backs are passing the ball around in the, you know, back line, and you know, I'm just like, what are you doing? Get the ball out of there! Like, someone help him out! And I'm just like, like ripping my hair out, but. I don't know. Here's the thing is like when you do play Fabregas in a, in a midfield too, you do run the risk of getting your lines broken and getting them broken pretty effortlessly if you ask me. Yeah. And that takes allows time. all that space between the three center halves and our midfield where other teams could play. And that's where Roma was hurting us. Most of their possession was in those little it was in those spaces. But it's 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 you know it's it's easier said than done watching it on TV and saying oh this is what's wrong and this is what's wrong but for me the players ultimately let the manager down I mean I know you're playing Cesc Fabregas in a position where he's not he's not suited for it at all he's not suited for it and yes he is doing his best to say that he's not trying or to say that he's not playing well or that he's not playing his best because he had a couple tackles you know you can't you can't say he didn't do anything here's the thing but it's just not it's not for him. I think exactly. I think he's more of a super sub, honestly. I mean, uh, he's I not he a super be. sub. He needs to be playing higher up the pitch. And 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 the thing is, is he's being asked to do a job that he physically cannot do, and to say that he doesn't put any efforts doing him a disservice because he actually runs his ass off and he actually puts a foot in, but he's the job's just not suited for him. And the lack of squad options is the reason why he's playing there. And we're just kind of wasting his talents if we're going to put him next to Bakayoko in the midfield too when we play 3-4-3. Three, three. You know what really frustrates me about this team as opposed to our team last year is that we don't know what our strongest starting 11 is. That's a great point, yeah. we I have no idea. I, I can't tell you which is our best starting 11. Last year, I could tell you without a doubt. Yeah. You know, we had Victor Moses and Marcos Alonso as the wingbacks, and we had Pedro... Diego Costa, Hazard up top, yep. and uh, Conte, Conte and Matic in the midfield. Yeah, that 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 was our best lineup for sure. And this season, I have no idea. Well, the thing is, 
I feel like I feel like Antonio Conte is learning from his mistakes of over rotating the squad. Really? Yeah, I I really do because there was a clip in the second half, half and 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 the meme makers and the uh, trolls, the, yeah, social media trolls, they picked it off right away. Was that one play where Jekko had a break down oh, the right man. flank, and all three of our center halves chased him? He played a ball into Perotti, who just shanked the shot. We got lucky; it wasn't four nil at that point. What was? But that but, was off. But, but this is really this is my point, though. Is how often have we seen the same center back pairing play consecutive games? We haven't. And I feel like there's no continuity when you keep rotating the squad and players in and out. So you're sp- I one you day said David Luiz lack, his lack of rotating. He's been rotating so much. No, no, no. He's been over rotating. All like, right, yeah, yeah, okay. David Luiz, like, like if you put yourself in like the position of David Luiz, who's in the middle, you don't know if you're gonna have Rudiger to your left. You don't know if you're gonna have Aspi to your right. If you're gonna have Rudiger to your right. If you're gonna have Christensen step in. Yeah, then I I agree with you 100. percent You really like you have no idea, and there's you know. I, I, I really disagreed with rotating our center halves going into the Roma match because we kept our first clean sheet in how long against Bournemouth? In almost a month. Mm-hmm. And he goes ahead and rotates a squad for the Champions League match. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Let's get another clean sheet with the same back three and build on it from there. You know, but Wednesday wasn't all so bad. There is, all, there is a silver lining. We're very fortunate that Atletico tied with Carvog which means we're still in a good position to advance uh, in the group. So, you know, there was a silver lining to this match. It wasn't all bad. Yeah, yeah, there there definitely is that silver lining. We just we just can't we can't play the same way against our next game against Atletico. So, yeah, no, no. but I I think I think our hopes are still alive in Champions League. What do you what were your final thoughts? Of this game? I mean, just to I kind of I kind of I kind of just mentioned already. yeah, just our dispossession of the ball and no off ball movement and build up play i mean i guess my i have it written down here it's very bland and very straightforward but i think it sums up the game perfectly closing down the ball is dreadful no possession in the midfield no continuity lack of desire getting the sense that the players are becoming complacent and leggy Mm -hmm. and the lack of squad options are really hurting us and this match was evident and i miss nemanja matish so much I thought you were going to say Golo. Oh, I don't miss him anymore after uh, this Sunday. Um, he actually played a really good game this oh, Sunday. Yeah, I he thought he was one of the only Man United players I was up for it. I thought him, Rashford, and Lukaku had really good games. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that game. So, I mean, just going over the lineup quick, Courtois in goal, um, Cahill, Dave, um, out wa- or, uh, left and right center backs. Um, Christensen starting in the middle. So David Luiz actually dropped for this match. We'll get to that in a second. But Alonso on the left, uh, Zappacosta on the right, Bakayoko, Conte, and Sesk in the middle to make up our midfield five. The two up top, Hazard and Maratha. So before we talk about you know going into the three five two and Ngolo's return, let, let's talk about David Luiz getting dropped. So why don't you kind of fill everyone in on what exactly is being put out there that the media is putting out there what has the club said what has conte said well apparently in a training the week uh coming up to the the match david Luiz had a little bit of a disagreement as far as the tactics used in the roma match with uh antonio conte 
And um, this uh, disagreement led to an altercation, not really a fight. I mean, just a disagreement. And um, just a he really was stubborn Italian and a really stubborn Brazilian. Classic. Yeah. And uh, he was pulled out of practice and uh, was in, in the stands for the game, wasn't even on the bench. Yeah. Um, so Conte later was asked about David Luiz's future. He says, I don't know. He has to work really hard. Otherwise, he'll be on the bench or in the stands like he was this Sunday. Um, and uh, also, when they asked about David Luiz, he he was just praising uh, Christensen and uh, and rightly so Ampadu as well. Yeah. I mean, that I think that's just signs of him kind of being done with him. Uh, I, I, I have I've always been a fan of David Luiz. He doesn't necessarily always play to Conte's system he, and he does do a lot of good things but it's just the the inconsistencies and the holes that he leaves open they're they, a lot of the time they're very very like they hurt us a lot i think uh i think this whole david luis situation is just proof that he was a panic buy um which isn't really news to chelsea fans um but we all kind of Face palmed when the whole transfer happened, mainly because David Luiz doesn't really strike you as the prototypical Antonio Conte player. Conte doesn't like flashy players. He doesn't like players with tons of flair. He likes players that go out there, take a set of directions, and execute them to a T. And I feel like that's why he was dropped for a match like this. Um, his last month hasn't been good, and without Angolo there to protect him in front of him. He's been exposed. His one-on-one -on -one defending is terrible. Um, naturally, his his natural attributes, the attributes that he's elite at, aren't suited to a center back. Mm -hmm. They're more suited to like a defensive midfield type role. I think that has something to do with it, but I also think that the play of Christensen really, um, it really has a huge impact on the way Conte thinks moving forward, especially. Christensen has done nothing wrong. Um, every time he's been called upon, he's performed well. Um, he looks way more mature than a 21 year old. To be honest, he looks more mature than David Luiz on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, he has a great range of passing positional awareness is awesome. I think he's better aerially, um, particularly defensively than David Luiz. Um, there's just a lot more, um, to look forward to with Christensen as a center half than David Luiz. Maybe I am biased. I've never liked David Luiz that much. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, thank you for winning the Champions League while you were injured. Like, that's, you know... Very valiant. Thank, thank you for that. Thank you for the goal against Liverpool last year. Thank you for scoring against us in the Champions League and celebrating like you never played for us before. No, no, I'm just, no thank you for I'm just, that. I'm just kind of at the point where I'm done with him. And I don't really... I don't know. I'm just really with Conte on this. I completely agree with the manager. There, there's nothing else for me to say, really. I know I keep rambling on, but I just feel kind of indifferent about it. Um, but if you did had to uh, rate Christensen's performance in this match, um, compared to David Luiz's recent performances, where do you stand? Christensen was excellent. Romelu did not have a Luka clue what hit him. Oh wow! Right, I was pointing at you to say that so I could say my joke. Uh, yeah. What do you think? Actually, I saw it online. So if you don't like it, you can, you can blame. 
a Luca clue. Yeah, he didn't have a Luca clue. What hit him, Romelu? Because his name is Lukaku. That's clever, man. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty clever. No, I'm really. Sure. I mean, Christensen shut him down. Yeah. I mean, Lukaku has been. He has been pretty silent for the past month. Hasn't scored in a couple matches, but um, I think this has to do with the loss of Pogba, and you know they don't have really any other players in their midfield who can create chances for him. I mean, Mkhitaryan is not creating chances. He he pitch. didn't really have a a. a only had half chances in this match he you know quick snapshots and things like that he yeah, never really was, had a he had a nice shot on target but it was like from way outside the box and like yeah it was a snapshot yeah but i mean besides that christensen ate him up so it do was you, great i mean th- this obviously brings up the debate is is david Luiz ever going to come back into the side i mean do you expect to see him rise up and above and 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 prove conte wrong or do you think christensen's in just such a good position right now to where he could solidify his spot in that starting 11. I think Christensen's in a very good spot to keep that that spot, but um I think with league play plus the Carabao Cup plus Champions League plus FA Cup coming up as right, well after the new year. It's inevitable that David Luiz is going to be playing in a lot of lineups, but I think that in our strongest 11, it's going to include Christensen. Like I said, I'm all for Christensen in this situation. I, to be honest, I hope we don't see David Luiz come back into the side at least as a starter. Mm-hmm. But I won't be surprised if Antonio Conte decides to use him as an auxiliary midfielder just to close out matches. Yeah, I, I would. That's a good use for him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> safe to say there's probably no love lost. Um, but you know who would be sad or who who is probably sad right now? The uh. The Asian David Luiz, who keeps popping up on his Instagram <laughs> the stories. Japanese. The Japanese guy. Same arm. <laughs> Same arm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. David Luiz Ballon d'Or. Did you hear him say that? It was just I love ridiculous. Him. He's actually the best. Where did he get that wig, man? Because that wig's pretty spot on. I actually, I, I, I Were would, you thinking that, too? I would hate David Luiz more if I didn't follow him on Instagram. I look at his story all the time. He's, yeah, yeah, he yeah. is so funny. He uh, he's it, such a charismatic person. He's so nice. Yeah, personality he's so cool. wise, he's hard to hate. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I didn't follow him on Instagram, I would I would be on the same. Page it's just as, as a player. He's yeah, he's, he's very irritating. Easy. Yeah, he's very irritating. So let's move on to someone who's not irritating and someone who uh, maybe for our team, but definitely irritating for the other squad. <laughs> Yeah, N'Golo Conte is back. Real pain the ass for Man United. The main man, N'Golo. So, I was talking about Hazard earlier and how he's our most talented player. But I think it's unanimous that N'Golo is our most important player. Yeah, Um, without a doubt. It's about time our midfield dominated a game. And that's exactly what we did against Man U. He uh, one dribble completed, three tackles, two clearances, two interceptions all with a 90% pass success rate. I know those stats aren't too flattering for N'Golo specifically, but considering it's your first match back against a pretty strong Man United squad, not not too shabby. And he also completed the full 90, which mm-hmm. is always nice to see, especially after a long-term injury. You know, normally when we play a 3-5-2, you, you would see um, Antonio Conte giving the license to run to uh, to to Conte and to uh, Fabregas, and you would have Bakayoko um, provide the defensive cover. But today, 
uh, or sorry, on Sunday, you saw more of Bakioko and Fabregas pushing up with mm-hmm. N'Golo Conte uh, providing the cover defense. And uh, I thought that was I thought that was the best the best way to run it because, I mean, although on the ball Bakioko is not really that good, um, what he does off the ball he he he's really quick. He gets behind the line, and you can credit Murata's goal a hundred percent to Bakioko's run. Yeah, because if he didn't continue that run, he wouldn't have dragged Phil Jones all the way out. Yeah, and Smalling Smalling was right on him. Yeah, um, I mean it was awful defending overall by Man United, but you know once again that that pass from Dave was right on the money. Mm-hmm. But you know you could see if you watch it again, you can see Bakioko making a run right behind the line, and uh, Smalling kind of you know panicking and marking him, and that just left. Murata wide open and Dave just put that pass right on the money as usual and Murata's finish you know was money again as usual from that mm-hmm. kind of ball. You know, it's funny because you mentioned the three man midfield and how he usually gives the license for Conte to run. Yeah, he did do that against Atletico, but now that I'm thinking back, where else did we run a three man midfield against Tottenham as well? And he did give the license to Conte and Bakioko to run that game. Yeah. And I feel like other other teams and other managers look at us and they just kind of write off Conte and Bakioko as, oh, they're just going to sit in. They're going to make it really hard for us to break through them, but we don't really have to track them as runners. They're not going to be a real threat attacking-wise. But this was just a masterstroke on, on Conte's part because Mourinho had no idea what hit him. Bakioko was playing... Co- completely free box-to-box role yeah and being allowed to do whatever he felt was right at the time he just had the license to roam and it really hurt man united he could have had two goals easily mm-hmm. but having ngolo sitting in there it doesn't only liberate bakioko it liberates fabregas who i thought had his best game in months to be yeah. honest no yeah he really pulled the strings and, and he had so much time on the ball and composure and it doesn't even stop there. You look at the wingbacks. Marcus Alonso came to life. He looked like he had so much more freedom on that side. Fabregas was picking him out along the along the sidelines all day long. And Eden Hazard and Murata were attacking with, with fearlessness because they knew if they lost the ball and they got dispossessed, mm-hmm. they had the right amount of cover. They had three midfielders there, there that could do a job. It just it made our back line look more efficient. It's just, oh my, I, I, I honestly can't praise this guy enough. He's world class in every sense of the word. And for 30 million, I mean, I know Emanalo's out, but if that was his move, good job, Emanalo. I, I don't know what else to say because I do yeah. kind of feel indifferent about that situation. And we'll get onto it a little later. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, N'Golo's back. Obviously not 100% fit. Looking forward for him to gain his match fitness. In his first 10 games, Murata has been involved in 10 goals, 7 goals and 3 assists. It's the most by any Chelsea player in his first 10 matches. Now that's a transition, so... Suck it, haters. That's a transition. So, yeah, Murata and Dave strike again. Suck it. Um, I feel like Murata's header was just such a work of art, though, wasn't it? Like... I mean, it he was still had a lot to do with that thing when the ball came in. A great ball by Aspie, but th- I think he does that in his sleep. 
I mean, he's done it so many times now. You could tell that Murata, that's something. They practice a lot. <laughs> no, I, it's, clearly. I mean, this is something – this is a type of finish that any striker would practice, you know, over and over and over again at training. But to have a defender – I mean, I think he was playing wing back when it – no, he was still playing as a center half when it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To have a center half that could play a diagonal ball – just that little clipped pass right onto the forehead of your striker is such a luxury, especially at this level. I will t- be, I will honestly be shocked if Dave doesn't, if Dave isn't the starting right back for the Spanish national team in the World Cup. It'll be like a travesty. It'll probably be the one of the biggest World Cup snubs in terms of starting 11s if that doesn't happen. But for me personally, I think Dave was my man of the match. I. I on I would give it to Murata because what I saw what I saw from very start of the match Man United dominated probably the first 10 minutes and I I literally saw our whole entire season just fall apart you know following that loss to Rome and then like if we were to get dominated by Man United like this would have been the craziest week yeah. everyone would have been fired it would have been but you know the Man United pushed their wing backs up so high up the pitch and, you know, it forced our wing backs to fall back. And normally, you know, Conte does like to play from the back, but um, it doesn't work very well against teams who press high like Man United did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I was talking about in the last in the uh, in the Roma re- uh, review. We lost the ball a lot of times in our, like our own third of the of the pitch just from especially when they pressed that bad. But um, Murata was so crucial in breaking that press. His ability to hold the ball and then find an open man down the pitch, whether it be Bakayoko or Fabregas or Hazard, with plenty of room ahead of them because was, of that high press. It was on full display, wasn't it? it that is such an underrated quality that Murata has. His ability mm-hmm. to hold on to the ball for more than 0.5 seconds, like my boy... Uh, Diego. Mishi or oh, Mishi, Mishi. <laughs> and uh, you know, and also pick off those passes. I mean, he should have had one or two assists if mm-hmm. Bakayoko was a uh, more offensively uh, skilled. But I don't know. I I would give my man of the match to Murata for the goal and uh, for the way he played, all like breaking down that press. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's refreshing to see Murata play like that. Um, but. I mean, to me, Dave was just imperious in this game. Three, it's a close. It's a close. Three aerials, one, five tackles, one clearance, three interceptions, and an assist as a center half. Mm-hmm. You can't really. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you because Maratha did have a great game, and I know a lot of people out there think Sesk would have been man of the match, and yeah, it's warranted. I think Sesk actually won man of the match. I'm officially that game, but. For me, it was Dave. But just to go back quickly to Murata, um, he scored at least two more headers than any other player in the Premier League this far. Wow. So teams are definitely going to start to take note of this. And I think as an opposing coach, the only real way to counteract that is to be extremely physical with him. Because just like Hazard, he could easily get kicked out of a game with physicality. So I think that's something to look forward to, especially after the international break when we play against West Brom. Tony Pulis plays with 10 center backs and a striker. So we'll see how he handles the whole Murata situation. It's going to be very, very hard for him to find any real estate aerially. 
So I think that footwork that you're talking about is really going to come in handy. But really quick about that footwork. Do you know who uh, had a huge part in um, kind of transforming him into a complete striker in that sense? Who? Jose Mourinho at Real Madrid. Mm. He actually used to play Morata out on the left wing when he'd sub him on. Um, so he could get his footwork down and, and, and learn um, how to attack defenders at different angles. Oh, wait. You're talking about the special one or are you talking about the salty one? I'm talking about the special one before he became salty. Uh-huh. Jose Mourinho is more salty than the Dead Sea at this point, <laughs> isn't he? Like, I think it's I think it's pretty safe to say. I just... Let's, fuck it. Let's talk about it. He was so butthurt that he didn't get to shake Antonio Conte's hand after the game. And did you see it? It was actually really funny. Here in the States, we 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 watched the games on NBC Sports. And the camera panned right to Jose as the final whistle blew. And there was just an image of Jose with one arm on the railing outside of the tunnel. Just kind of like hanging out, waiting for Antonio Conte to come by. And in the meantime, Antonio Conte is hanging all over Azpilicueta's neck, giving him kisses and hugs. <laughs> and Marino's just kind of sitting there watching like, yeah, really? Like, like, this is really happening. And I remember he went back into the press conference and is like, oh, I'm I'm not going to wait for, for him to come out and, and, and shake my hand. I, I shook the hand of all the other ma- of all the other coaches and it's okay. And so why even bring it up? Like, Yeah, I know. That, that's the point. I mean, why even bring it up? Because, yeah, you. I mean, I don't know if Antonio Conte meant anything intentionally. And I, I really doubt that he did. You know, because he's such an emotional guy. Like, when he gets excited, he wants to go, you know, either cheer in the stands with the fans or he wants to cheer, you know, with the players. But regardless, he's not thinking about, all right, I need need to go make sure I shake Jose Mourinho's hand because it's it's very disrespectful if I don't. No, he's not thinking that at all. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like Jose Mourinho is that high school girlfriend where the sex is really, really good, but... You just know you're going to argue every single time you say something other than let's have sex, <laughs> right? Like, I just feel like it's one of those situations. Big fucking deal, Jose. Like, he didn't shake your hand. I was actually happy that Conte didn't shake his hand. Not because of the actual act of not shaking Jose's hand, but because he went out onto the field and celebrated and and, and congratulated his players on a hell of a performance. Mm-hmm. That honestly flattered to deceive. The scoreline one nothing did flatter to deceive. Yeah, it should have been three nil. I honestly think it could have easily been two or three nil Chelsea. But what I enjoyed mostly about it was the fact that it reminded me of last season. After every single match last season, what did we see? The cameramans would put their running shoes on and chase Conte after the match <laughs> all over the pitch, so the camera could pan to him hugging every single player after a good performance. And that's exactly what he did after this match. The camaraderie in the locker room is there. In the dressing room, it's there. What else is wrong at Chelsea? We don't really know. I mean, obviously, maybe there is something wrong. I think personally, I, I think there is. Well, there's got to be now with the... Emanolo out. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I do want to get into this because I think it's very important, firstly. But also, this is a guy who's been a scapegoat for Chelsea fans to just kind of pile excuses on yeah. for the last couple of years. So the past uh, 10 years, I can't, I can't believe years. it's been that long. So why don't, why, why don't you break it down? So this morning news broke that uh, Michael and Manalo, of course, Chelsea's uh, technical director for the past 10 years uh, is leaving his post. Um, 
supposedly it was him stepping down and the board of directors uh, accepting his resignation as a result. It's not we we don't know right now for sure if it was the board choosing you know Antonio Conte over him or if there was something going on where Emanalo was just did not want to deal with this anymore or you know maybe he just wanted to spend more time with his family. All this is ba- this is all speculation, but all we do know is that Michael Emanalo is no longer Chelsea's technical director. Yeah, I mean I kind of feel indifferent about this whole situation in general just because we don't know much, but here's my personal take on it. And maybe I could be wrong and maybe this is a bold prediction or hypothesis, however you want to put it. But I don't think someone just leaves their post in the middle of the season like this, um, especially after a big result against Man United. It, it was weird because Emanalo was there applauding Conte with a big smile on his face after the Man United win. He didn't get a handshake either. (laughs) No, he definitely got a handshake. (laughs) But in my opinion, I mean, and maybe I'm overthinking it again, but I think the board let him go and played it off as a resignation just to not stir up any controversy in the press because the term sacking is synonymous with failing or you know it has a yeah, negative connotation with some sort it. of like palpable discord right so like some sort of issue or you know behind closed doors matter that hasn't been solved so they decided to sack someone no they, they use the term stepping down he resigned from his post however you want to put it i mean obviously the pressure got to him because he's been under constant scrutiny for the longest time right he's been the scapegoat for the Mourinho firing um, for Matic sale, the De Bruyne sale, Mata, Lukaku. Um, Ugh. I just think it's n- not a coincidence. I think that it did have something to do with Conte voicing his displeasure at the board and their transfer policies. And I think the board does realize that the transfer policies this summer were subpar at best. Um, I think that the move is eventually going to show all Chelsea fans that it's proof that the board trusts Conte. Um, maybe I'm thinking with my blue tinted glasses on, but that seems to be the only logical explanation, right? The decision had to be made after, right after the Roma match. There's no way that decision was made after the Man United match. I think papers were signed and things were ready to go um, before the Man United match was before it even kicked off. But they probably just didn't want to make it a distraction. Exactly. Because, you know, now we have this uh, international exactly. coming up. Exactly. And it's smart of the PR department to do something like this because now you have Emanalo out. You have a week and a half where Chelsea's basically going to be in the darkness, secondary to international football, which I dread. Um, and hopefully that issue will simmer down and they'll find a replacement and they'll quietly slip them right in and, 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 and acquaint them with the club. Personally, I hope Frank Lampard comes back. He needs a job, and he needs to be in and around Chelsea. Um, but you know, going back to Emanalo, yes, I thank him for everything he's done. I mean, everybody in the board, good or bad, um, no matter what they did, they all had a part to do in our success, and they all had a part to do in our failures. And lately, there's been a lot more success and failures. So, you know, I wish him well and. Hopefully he finds another gig, and if not, I know he's still going to keep supporting Chelsea. But he had yeah. a very he had a very classy um, um, farewell letter to the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully things look brighter and more prosperous in the future without him. I personally, I 
still don't know exactly how I feel about this move. Um, I think I think it, it possibly is a move in the right direction. Because, you know, even though he brought us players, like, you know, the players on the team right now, like like Tebow, like Conte, Hazard, it's, mm-hmm. it's the second time after a title-winning season that we haven't bought well. And, you know, the truth is that Eminola has to own to that. But, you know, there there is Heather. Ha- I think that he is a scapegoat again. Whenever something goes wrong with our transfers, it's it's always his fault. But, you know, and I, as much as I think he wasn't a great squad builder, um, I think that firing him right now leaves us in a very awkward position. Because hiring, you know, midterm for this position, a long-term position, is very difficult midway through the season. I mean, just to brainstorm for shits and giggles, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you look at other clubs and other well-run clubs, clubs that buy well, clubs that sell well, clubs that turn a profit and are prosperous domestically um, and on the European stage. Who do who do we really want to emulate? This move really is going to show Chelsea fans what exactly Abramovich and what exactly the board is aiming to turn this club into. Depending on who we buy, it's, it's going to decide whether we want to be a club that's going to continue to run for profit or a club that's going to want to win trophies and fill up our trophy cabinet. And I think it's a very important what, important decision to make. I hope they don't make it anytime soon. To be honest, I hope they should take all the time they need. Um, obviously, something has to be done before the January transfer window. Um, best case scenario, they approach Conte and say, hey, what do you think? We're going to bring in so-and-so. Um probably not going to happen but yeah i don't, I don't think they'll let him back no, no, <laughs> but but still i mean there has to be some sort of some sort of connection between emanalo getting sacked and conte's disapproval of summer transfer dealings so we'll see what happens i mean it's really hard to speculate again because the situation is so bland right now and we don't really know much the the club has barely released an official statement yeah the statement that they did release didn't have any details probably won't hear about them for a while but like i said let, let's hope let's hope things you know turn around and because i think i think the one thing that chelsea really needs to work on is uh replacing players that we let go of mm-hmm. because i mean you saw especially this year uh we got it rid of matic we got rid of um, chalobo was a big the, one uh-huh and um also uh the only real player that we replaced and got a better deal from was letting Ake go and bringing Christensen in yeah yeah so i mean i mean this also you know with juan mata i mean and also like you know juan mata was our player of the year the year before we sold him it it you know we 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 don't do a very good job of replacing players that we get rid of and um, if we do sell them, we sell them to title rivals. Yeah, that, which is That's I don't know why we do that. the most irritating thing in the world. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, at least sell them to a different, you know, either a shit club or to a different league, not not to Man Luka- United. Yeah. <laughs> we sold Lukaku to Everton. You really don't think if he's gonna play his ass off that a bigger club isn't gonna come sniffing for him? No, I did. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, yeah. Let's see how this turns out. I mean, we have a week and a half until the next pod comes out. 
when it does, we're obviously going to bring the subject up again. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll bring you up to speed on who we hired, if we did hire someone at the time. But Michael Eminalo, if you're listening to this, which I really doubt you are, uh, there's actually a 0% chance he's listening. Thank you for everything that you've done. You've done a lot of good work, but uh, just wasn't working between us. And I think we should be seeing other people. It's just business, right? It's not you, it's me. No, it's you. No, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, that actually concludes the pod for this week. So um, join us next week. Um, no, it's not. I don't th- we're going to have a break. Not next week. The week after next week. So mm-hmm. in two weeks. We're going to break down the West Brom matchup. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think we have a Champions League matchup on the cards too as well, don't we? Um, but yeah, um, until then, um, keep us well, posted. Keep a... Share, uh, how about our uh, Twitter and everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I was going to do, actually. Don't I always plug it, man. You don't have to remind me. Also, by the way, that week, uh, we same week we play West Brom, we play uh, and carry a bag. Carry a bag. So carry your bags. Um, but yeah, follow us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Um, email us, Romans Empire Pod at gmail.com. Um, keep tweeting us. You know, follow us, do whatever you guys need to do. Make sure you listen to us. Um, and if you don't like us, let us know. We've had a lot of people call us pieces of shit, and we haven't hesitated to call them pieces of shit back. So if you do want to bag on us, go ahead. Um, if you want to praise us, go ahead. If you have suggestions, questions, things that you want us to cover, please let us know. Um, follow us on iTunes. Also look for us on SoundCloud as well. And until next time, um, Keep the blue flag flying high, and we'll talk to you soon. Up the Chels. Frank Lampard for technical director.